Awesome, awesome. How are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22. Uh, we'll start here in a few minutes in verse 36. Um, probably a well-known story uh, there for you. But Matthew 22, 36, we'll get there in just a few minutes. Um, just kind of want to update you on a couple things real fast. Um, the first thing was this, was a few months ago, we received a uh, $30,000 gift uh, to help pay down, pay off the building. Um, and so we put the challenge out there uh, for our church, a two-month challenge, say, hey, could, could we could we match that? Could we match that? And we did. You guys have done a phenomenal job. Um, we have brought in uh, around thirty-four thousand uh, dollars to help pay down, pay off. So yeah, um, I just thank you so much for your generosity and uh, willingness to go above and beyond. And just just know what the heart and the desire uh, of the leadership of this place is. Is this is when that building debt goes away, man? The opportunity for us to make an even bigger impact uh, in our community. So I've got some crazy things I'm praying through right now um, that I will be bringing to the trustees and some of the leadership of this place, and we will see, uh, see what God's going to do uh, in the very near future. So um, just, just be praying for that, but I'm excited to see what he's going to do there. Uh, second thing I want to make you aware of is this, um, as Austin's with us this morning, he can kind of help me navigate. Uh, they went to camp this past week, and at camp, what, three salvations? Three salvations, church, so... Yeah, yep. Um, so, so three students who went to camp, dead, came back alive. Um, and so just, just, just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing there that God's still rescuing, still saving, still redeeming. And so I'm excited uh, as we get the great opportunity to walk with those students and love them and disciple them. And so um, I'm going to ask you if you'd join me one more time as we pray. I don't think we can pray too much. If you think so, you're at the wrong church. Um, uh, but... Just saying. Uh, join, join me and, and let's, let's, pray. let's pray one more time and just ask God to just move. Father, we, we love you and thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity to gather. We've got a rainy, wet Sunday that you knew beforehand would happen. Um, and God, we just, we just want to just press in and ask you this morning to just do a work in us. Father, the next few minutes to so just help us just engage, hear from heaven, follow after you, and may our answer in response to the question your Holy Spirit will ask us this morning, be yes and amen. Father, whatever you want, whatever that looks like, whatever, whatever you say of us. Father, I just pray for the heart here this morning that's hurting, that needs you. Father, just a special touch. I pray, God, that you would do that, that you would work like only you can, Father. For the heart here this morning that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, that you would just awaken in them that reality and that need for you. God, do a work in this place, I beg of you, through the proclamation of your word. Holy Spirit, fall heavy. Do whatever you see fit. Then we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so right, right from the get-go, I'm just going to come out of the gate swinging, guns a-blazing. So we're just, just going to go at this. Um, so this morning, this, this is my hope. This is my desire. This is what I've been praying that God would do through the Holy Spirit, that he would just help us go all in. How? By loving God with everything in us. By loving God with everything in us. And so you would think this morning as we gather in this place, the men and women here, like, yeah, we're behind that, we're for that, we want to do that. I just believe if we're honest this morning, it would be, uh, we'd all arrive at that same place that this is a very difficult thing for us to do. Uh, This reality, for us to love God with everything in us, it is just difficult to struggle sometimes. Anybody yes and amen with that? I guess it's just a struggle to love God with everything in us from time to time. And I believe the reason is because of the day that we're living in and the day that we're living in, even within the church, 
That struggle is real. That invitation to love God with everything in us because we don't understand love fully like God has described it and told us about it. And then also we've seen it lived out in all the wrong ways. Within the church, we've seen it lived out in all the wrong ways, even so much so that I would argue that we've adopted the world's view or culture's view of what love is and how to, how to walk that out, how to be that in our day. And so I would say that we're, we're good with loving God and going all in as long as he gives us and does for us the things that he never promised and said he would, would give us and do. Let, let me read that one more time to you. I believe we're good at, with loving God and going all in as long as. So, so, so we'll do it. We'll, yes, God, I will love you. Yes, God, I will follow you. Yes, God, I will submit to you. Yes, God, I will pursue you. Go all in. As long as he gives us and, and does for us all the things that he's never promised. Guess what I'm doing there? Uh, we'll do it as long as he's going to do the things that he's never said he would do anyways. But, but in our mind and in our heart, we think that it should be like this. And God's never said that. God's never promised that. Instead, he's given us something far greater than we could ever imagine, ever dream of, ever think of and long for. And, and so I don't know if you caught what I did there, but what I did is I put kind of like this little worldly bent on this thought of loving God and pursuing him. So, see, I made loving God conditional and based on him being for me all that I think that he should be. And even whenever I do that in my wildest dreams, my greatest imagination, it, 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 still, uh, it still handcuffs God. Because my wildest imaginations and my dreams of God doing for me and being for me all that I think that I need limits him so much to who he truly is and what he can truly do. And so my prayer for us this week, I, I, I sat, sat with some friends this week and talked a little bit, and, um, and it's crazy that I landed here after that conversation and just looking at and praying through. But my prayer for us this week is that we, we would go all in in loving Jesus, that we would go all in in loving God the way that Jesus says here in Matthew 22. So, so let's, let's look at it. I want to give you a little bit of background um, information here before we jump in. Um, and so here in Matthew 22, you have the Pharisees, and the Pharisees uh, are plotting to test Jesus. See, the Pharisees want to catch Jesus in some inconsistencies. The Pharisees do not like Jesus. Uh, he's kind of busted onto the scene, kind of uh, made it uncomfortable for them, he's kind of doing some things, saying some things that, that they don't like, kind of raising the bar even for them. Uh, and so they, they wanted to disprove him. They wanted to get rid of him. They couldn't stand him. He was cramping their style, you may say. And so what he's doing is he's constantly correcting them. He's making them look silly, especially in the arena and area of the one thing that they think they know, which is God. And so he's, just, he's cramping their style. He's frustrating them. And so they want to catch him. They want to disprove him. They want to get rid of him. And so the Pharisees are this. The Pharisees is just a religious sect within Judaism during the time of Christ. So it's this religious sect of Judaism. And so they honored Moses and the law. And they even had a bit of a, of a, a political power there. And so the Pharisees were big on the oral tradition being equal with the authority to the written word of God. They were big on oral tradition. So it's kind of one of those things that's been passed down over time, over time, over time, over time. Uh, and they would focus in on certain ones that they thought had the utmost importance. And they would, uh, they would really press those or oppress the people with some of those, uh, those laws and those thoughts. And so what we have this morning in the scriptures is this, is that one of those people, they, they approach Jesus and they're going to ask him a question. 
So verse 36, Matthew 22, verse 36, it says this. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So that's kind of a loaded question, right? Which is the greatest? At this time, there's around 613 different laws. And the guy here, he wants to know, out of the 613, what's the most important? Like, if we were to look at our law system, what's the most important law that we're to live under, to live by? I mean, that's a crazy question, isn't it? One that would almost seem impossible to answer. And so the thing about the Pharisees is this. He really didn't care. This guy asking this question, he, he didn't care. He was just hoping to catch Jesus in something here, hoping to disprove him, to, be, uh, to do away with him, to, uh, if they could do that and, and ridicule and mock him and find something in him, then they could go back to living life the way that they're accustomed to. The bar that Jesus brings and sets and raises for them, uh, they, they, could, they could overlook that and continue doing the things that they were doing. Because see, for the Pharisees, it was all about the law. It wasn't about relationship. It was about the law. I, I guess the way that, that when I read this and I look at this, I just think of like, like very churchy type people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like just very churchy, churchy type, type, that, type that's all about like, 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 like putting like, like all the standards and all the rules and all the laws on you that they don't even follow themselves. That they don't even live out fully on, on their own. And so I just read this and I look at that and I just think, man, how crippling that is. Not about relationship, but about rules. And so I would just say this, any religious system, now hear me, there's, there's a religion that's good, and Jesus or the scriptures talk about that, that, that take care of the widow and the orphans. You want to talk about religion that's good, that's it. There's religion that's good that, that follows after Jesus with everything in them. That, that's good type of religion that, that, that is to be modeled and lived out, but that's not what's happening here. So any type of religious system that's all about the law, the do's and the don'ts, without the heart of relationship is a system they need to stay away from. It's a system that you need to stay away from. See, because Christianity is about following relationally Jesus. That's what Christianity is about. It's about a relationship with Christ. Now, hear me, there's expectations and standards but it's about that relationship where you go all in. It's about relationally doing that. And then as a result of that, some things are going to happen. What's going to happen? I'm glad you asked. The natural outcome in our life as a believer, as we journey relationally with Christ, is going to be the law. The law is going to be produced in us. The law is going to be lived out. The law is going to show that we do belong to him. And as a result of belonging to him, loving him, and pursuing him, the law is going to be lived so, so let's, let's just dabble for a moment. So as I love Jesus and pursue him and follow him, I don't have to worry about worshiping other gods. Well, because my heart and desire is going to be bent toward him. It's going to be bent toward worshiping him and him alone because he is the true living God. And so as I love and pursue Jesus, I don't have to worry about lying. Why? Because he is truth. And as I walk and grow in him, uh, that truth is going to permeate me all the more. I'm going to learn truth. I'm going to uh, learn that there's consequences to my actions. So if I do something boneheaded or dumb, which I'm prone to do, that would have been a good amen. Thank you for not. Because then my comeback for you was going to be, so are you. But since you didn't go there, we won't. You're good, holy people in here, so good. Um, it won't be produced in my life. Why? Because I'm pursuing and loving him. Something else is I pursue and love Jesus. I don't have to worry about stealing. Why? Because I understand who I am in Christ and everything that I need I have in him 
And if there's something that I see that you got that I like and I don't quite have that yet, I don't need to go take yours. Why? Because I know that he is enough and he'll provide for me all that I need in that moment. I don't have to worry about as I pursue and love Jesus, I don't have to worry about killing. And the thing I always want to do here is that Jesus kind of ups that a little bit. And it's not about physically taking someone's life, but it's even about that hatred in your heart towards someone. He says, is murder. I don't don't have to worry about killing people in my heart as well as in the real world. Why? Because because I'm pursuing him and I, and I, I learn and I understand and I know that I love Jesus and Jesus does a work in me. And as I pursue and follow him relationally, I'll see people for who they really are, created in his image, a workmanship that he's made. And in doing that, I understand that we, that we all struggle from time to time. We, we, we all have issues and hang-ups. So as I love and pursue Jesus, I don't have to worry about committing adultery. Why? Because my eyes are in him. And again, Jesus raises that bar, doesn't he? It's not just necessarily what you do in the bed with someone else that, that, that's not yours, but it's just looking at someone with lust in your heart. I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because my eyes are for Christ and him alone. My eyes are for my wife and for her alone. And so as I pursue him relationally, those things will be produced in my life, which are a good, right thing. So the law doesn't scare us. The law is not a bad thing. The law is a good thing uh, that, that shows, uh, that's produced in us as we follow Christ. So the scripture goes on, and it says this in verse 37 as we continue. He says, ask him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And, and Jesus replies, 37 says, I, I, I love this, Jesus takes the bait. Right? Like, like Jesus does, he engages them. And, and I love this about Jesus. Jesus knows their motive. Jesus knows their heart. But what does he do? He still uses this opportunity to do what? To love and engage. To press in all the more. To challenge. To correct their wrong belief. Their wrong view. Jesus engages him is what he does. He doesn't say, man, that's the dumbest question in the world and walk off. He doesn't say, well, you're a Pharisee and I know what you're all about. I know your heart. I know what you're like. I want nothing to do with you. No, no. he entertains it. He takes it in. He, he's going to answer it. He's going to give a great response here as we'll see in a few minutes. But as I looked at this and as I thought about this, I just, I just think about the church today. Man, how do we do in this area, in this arena, in this facet with things? When we're asked a question or when, when something comes upon us, I mean, I mean, there is nothing worse sometimes than this cancel culture, is it not? I, I mean, we are ready in a moment to just jump and attack. We're, we're quick to dismiss, to just write off and have nothing to do uh, with someone if they don't believe exactly like us, if they don't look just like us, if they don't act just like we act. And we're, we're quick to jump in and just, 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 just jump on that bandwagon of council culture. Now hear me, don't hear what I'm not saying. Because I do believe very much so that there are hills for us to die on. There's conversations for us to engage with. There are times to fight till the death if need to be. But what you need to know and hear this morning is this, is that we will never reach people if we're so quick to just cancel and be done with them. We will never reach them if we don't engage, have conversation, see where they're coming from, try to understand a little bit better, walk with, care for, never giving over to, never lowering our standards or the bar of what Jesus has said or done. But engaging is not a bad thing. Hearing and getting perspective is not a bad thing. Why? Because in that, as we journey relationally with people, then maybe, just maybe, God will open a door for us to be able to have a, have a level of influence in their life. 
to be able to have, have, have an ability and an opportunity to share the true gospel as we see Jesus here in a moment will do. So they ask him the question, the greatest commandment, and Jesus answers. 37, he says, he says this, he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So, so this word love here, what's been hijacked and taken from, from us, from the church, from Jesus, it's, it's the act of the mind and will. It's the determined care for the welfare of something or someone. It's strong emotions. It's dedication and commitment of choice regardless. Church, what love does here is it chooses to follow and go all in regardless of what one's feelings may be, regardless of what's given back in return. That's the definition of love here. And what we're going to know is Jesus is going to even go uh, as far as to say that, that this love we have for God is to be with every part of our being. Every ounce of who we are is to love Jesus without abandonment. With complete abandonment, I mean, to love Jesus with complete abandonment. There, there's nothing held back. There's nothing left in reserve. It, it's all in all the time as it pertains to loving God with everything in us. So Jesus, in other parts of the gospel, he's going to say the same thing. He's going to say the same thing. Like in Luke 10, 27, he answers him and says this. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Again, Jesus is just saying every ounce of our being, who we are, who God's created us to be, is to be in a love relationship with God. To be in a love relationship with God. So going all in is loving God with all of our being. What does that mean? What is our being? I just want to break that down for a minute. I want to, I want to look at that for just a second. When he says to, to love him with every ounce of who we are, the first part of our being is this, is our heart and our soul. What is our heart and our soul? Our heart and our soul is the very core of our being. It's who we are. It's us, not the shell of this body, not the flesh, not, not what you see here, but who God knows me to be, the true me. Uh, that's what my heart, my soul, that's who I truly am, the very core of my being. It's encompassed with my emotions, with my feelings. It's the part of me that's able to express love or hate, to feel joy, anger, sadness, happiness. That part of me is to love God with reckless abandonment. Everything, all in. That is who, that is how my heart, my soul, loving him, full in, no matter what, holding nothing back. The second part of that is just the mind. Your soul, your mind, your mind, our mind is our sense of intellect. It's our thinking. It's our reasoning. It's our distinguishing between right and wrong. The way It's, it's that part of us that, that thinks and reasons and looks and processes. That's what it is. That's the very core of my being, who I am. Love God. The way that I think, that's why it's so pertinent and important for us to be in the Word of God. And, and, and I don't know if, I don't, I'm sure we've heard it. It's so cliche-ish now, right? I mean, junk in equals what? Junk out. Uh, good stuff in equals good stuff out. I mean, the mind, is the mind not just a dangerous battlefield? That's why you see scriptures like that. It says, take all your, captive, take, take your thoughts captive. Uh, th that's why you see a, a lot of things like that to be transformed. How? By the what? Renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove, that you may know what's acceptable, true, and right. And the mind, the mind is a dangerous battlefield that we need to go all in in loving God, pursuing God. Every ounce of our being, our intellect, our thinking, our reasoning needs to be run through that filter of, is this me loving God? Or is this me loving self? Hey. 
making a process and as I see, am I loving God in this moment, in this situation, the things that I'm thinking about, the things that I'm processing, or am I loving self? And the third part there of, of our makeup is this, is our will, our strength, as we saw there in Luke 10. And our strength is just simply this, our determination, our decisions revealing our power to choose. It, it expresses our willingness or unwillingness. It's acting out and doing. That's what it is. That's what it is. So it starts in the heart, our, the who we are, our, our soul, our very core of who we are. We, we think and we can process, and then we act out. Does our actions represent that of a love relationship with, with, with God? Are, are you all in so much so that the way that you act, the way that you respond, the things that you do, does it resemble loving God? Does it point to loving God? So to be all in means that all we are, all that we are, loves God with everything. And Jesus says this is the first and greatest commandment in verse 38. And so I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I read this, when I look at this, I believe that there's some questions that we need to answer, that we need to search out deep within our heart and life. Some things that we really need to look at. And the first one is simply this. How do I love God? How do I love God? And church, the way that we love God is to fall madly in love with Jesus. The, the way that we love God is to fall madly in love with Jesus. Because you know what, church? What I've learned is it's really easy to love someone who you're overwhelmed by. It, it's really easy. Is it not really easy to love someone who does ridiculous things for you? Who cares for you more than anybody else? Who, who will, will give and bless and take care of and just do a number of things? Is, isn't it really easy to love someone like that? Well, guess what? We've got someone whose name is Jesus. And, and the way that we get overwhelmed by Jesus is to always look at the cross. To always look at the cross. I mean, are we not living in a day and time where people want to be accepted and loved and part of something? And, and the thing that we bypass and overlook so often is the cross. And, and I believe even us as a church, we've done a horrific job of, of welcoming people in, inviting people in, caring for people, loving people, walking relationally with people. I believe that we've done a horrific job of that. But the thing that you have to remember is this, is the cross says, is I want you. The cross says, is, is come on, welcome, there's plenty of room for you here. Uh, the, the cross is, is acceptance and love and desire. That, that's what the cross is a resemblance of. That's how we get overwhelmed. So when you feel beat up, when you feel wore out, when you feel worked over, when you feel worthless, when you feel like junk, when you've just had one of those weeks, one of those days, one of those months, maybe one of those years, maybe one of those uh, last decades, I don't know what it looks like for you. And you're tempted to stop loving, stop presuming. What you do is you look to the cross every time. You don't stop. You, you don't stop. You, you want to love God? You love Jesus. You walk relationally with Jesus. That's how you do it. I love John Piper. He says this. He says this, he says, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. That's not why he, he forgives us. Anything other than that. He says, and people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there, they will not be there. The gospel is not a way to, to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. And it's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. We've got to press in and love God with everything in us. Walk relationally with his son. 
We've got to get to that place where we think relationship, relationship, relationship with Jesus. And that's even difficult for us, is it not? Well, because relationships in our day is so wonky. Relationships in our day are so jacked up and messed up, are they not? We don't know how to walk relationally. We don't know how to press in, go deep. We don't know how to do do those things. Yeah, we're great at going surface level. We're great at talking about the weather, talking about the tires on the truck. We're, we're great at talking about the teams. We're great at talking about, about, about little surface levely type uh, uh, plastic stuff like that. Man, but the moment we go deep, we clam up, don't we? We lock up. We check out. We're, we're ready to be finished. The, the moment that we have to do the difficult work of, of revealing or sharing who we are, what we're struggling with, what we're going on. Uh, the, the moment that we have to really start to care for somebody. I mean, it's very, very difficult because what if they really know me? What if they really find out who I am, the, the struggles that I really have? What if they find out that I'm st- like, I've still got some, some broken areas in my life? I mean, what will they think? How will they respond? To my response is, who gives a rip? If they're going to respond that way, I don't want to journey with them anyways. And, and at the end of the day, I, I'm accepted and loved by Jesus because he knows me better than anybody else. He knows me better than me. He knows the things that, 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 that lock me down. He knows the things that, 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 that throw me off. He is aware of all of that. And you know what he does? He still pursues relationally me. Still pursues relationally me. And so I believe the reason why we struggle relationally with Jesus is because we struggle relationally with each other. And as a result of that, it just, it just, it just flows right down. But we treat Jesus the same way. We need to go deep, but we don't. And my fear that many in the church is an inch deep in my wad. An inch deep in my wad. We've never pressed in. We've never walked with. So how do we, how do we go deep? What, what does that look like? What does that mean? How, how does that happen relationally? If we, if we struggle with it here, how in the world, how do we, where do we get over the hump and, and not struggle with it here? Well, the way that we do that is we get to know his heart. We become overwhelmed by him. We get lost by his goodness and faithfulness. We know his heart. And the way that we know his heart is how? Is his word. We need to know his word. We need to know the things that he has said. We need to know the standards that he has said. Like, like, do you understand how God sees you? Do you understand what God thinks about you? God isn't just hiding around the bush ready to zap you. And this nonsense that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are two different, that's ridiculous. No, no, he's just as loving in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He's just as holy in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He's the God of, of, of all things, everything, always. He's not, he's not like split personality crazy God. No, he's loving, gracious God is who he is. We just, we've been programmed to see him wrong. Why? Because we don't know his word. We get to the Old Testament, it gets difficult, and it gets hard to have to navigate through certain things or read through certain things, and there's all these begat stuff. What the heck is a begat? I hate gnats. You know what I'm saying? I want to squash them and kill them. That's not what he's talking about. And so we just like check out. We just kind of take, we move on. And we've punted on knowing his word. We've punted on diving in. It's like this week I was, I was reading the scriptures with my oldest and we're talking and we turned to Psalm 1. I just thought, man, that, that, just a good scripture to read with my boy. 
Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, doesn't sit, doesn't stand in the way of. You know why? Because he'll be like a tree planted by waters. It talks about how he meditates on God's word day and night. And he just read like the first four verses. I'll let him read it because it's so, it's so cool to hear my 10-year-old read the scriptures with me. And he reads it, and I'm like, all right, that's it, bud. Is it, but, Dad, there's more. I said, right, we'll, we'll get to that tomorrow. Yeah, but, there, but, but, but Dad, it, there's only like, like four more verses. I said, that's great. I said, do you know what you just read? Uh, kind of. I said, well, let's do this. Let's go back. And the very first word that you see is blessed is. But do you know what blessed means? Yeah, but I, f- I forgot. What does it mean? And so we talk about what it means to be blessed. And I'm not talking about like stuff here. I'm talking about joy, like deep-rooted joy. I mean, all this stuff you can have, and it's going to go away, and it's going to burn up one day, and it's going to, it's, gonna, it's, it's, the, it's the future stuff of yard sales. You know what I'm saying? If it doesn't end in the landfill. I mean, I'm, talk, I'm talking about joy that can't be taken or robbed. So we talk about that for a minute. I said, who, who does, do you want that? He's like, Dad, absolutely. I said, so do I, man. Oh, this is, this is how, this is how, this is one way that we get it. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the, the man who, who doesn't walk in the way or sit at the seat of or stand with. And I'm like, but you know, you know what that means? It just, it just means this, that if we're going to be blessed, though that we can be in and around, we're not influenced by, that's not where we go and get our advice from, the world, people that are anti-God, People that are, uh, uh, that, that are, are anti who Jesus is and what he's done. That we, 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 don't, we don't entangle ourselves in such a way that we get locked up into that and we get kind of thinking that way or, or consumed by or getting our advice and our direction from them. And then it goes on to say, but, but the delight of, of, of this blessed man is one who, who delights in the, in the law of the Lord. I said, you know what the law is? And we talked about the law for a minute. The law is just God's revealed word. I said, do you know what meditates means? Uh, not really. I said, we got to go get a yoga mat. You got, I'm just joking, I didn't say that. I said, but it's where you just think about it. You just chew on it. You memorize it. You, you, you're, you're constantly just, just, just thinking of and replaying what you've read and what, what was said and, and what God has done. and who he, You meditate and think on it all the time. And then it goes on to say that he's like a tree. I said, what do you know about trees, dude? He said, man, they, they, they grow to be big. They grow to be tall. They grow to be strong. I said, that's right. They're planted by streams of water. Why? Because those streams of water nourishes it, sustains the tree. And so I got to, for 15 minutes, just show my kid how easy it is. And I'm like, buddy, what you always do is if there's a word that you don't know, you go find out what it means. You always go find out what it means. And I'm just afraid that, that, that we've, we've quit doing that. We'll just wax over it or we'll just check mark. I did it. I read my devotion. I've, I've done my little time in the Word, but I, but I haven't really meditated or thought on what God's Word says. You, you want to love Jesus, you spend time in His Word. You, you know what He says. My fear is that the church is, has become ignorant as it pertains to God's Word. You don't believe me? Jump on social media real fast and look at some of those things that are posted and said. Lord, y'all don't know how hard it is for me not to say stuff. Oh, restraint and discipline. God help me. I mean, some of the ridiculous doctrine and theology that is out there just reveals our ignorance. And I'm not saying that we need to engage on social media. That's not what I'm saying, that we need to engage on social media. Because if we don't love them enough to tell them in real life, not this fairy tale world of, of, of social media, then, then, then don't do it. But we 
get to know his heart by getting to know his word, by, by getting involved with his people, by spending time in prayer, by, by serving. I mean, if you, if you really love him, you have to spend time with him, right? If you really love him, you have to spend time with him. It's an active pursuit always in everything that we do. That, that's, that's how we love him. That's, that's how we do it. That's how we live it out. So I want you to brace for a second because I want to ask you a very pointed question. If you lived relationally with everyone else in your life like you do Jesus, what would those relationships be like? I just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit to kind of work and hit and remind. If you lived relationally with everyone else in your life the way you do Jesus, what would that relationship look like? Till right now, I wouldn't be married. My kids would hate me. The people that I work with would want nothing to do with me. My family would abhor me. Because I definitely don't give him the attention that I do the rest of the people in my life. I don't know about you. I have nothing to hide up here. Man, I fall woefully short in that. If I treated everyone else in my life relationally like I do Jesus, what that would be like. Mm. Probably wouldn't have very many people in my life. But you know what the good news of the gospel is? He still continues to pursue through that. And he still continues to woo and draw in and invite in all the more. Hey, love me today. Go all, let's do it right now. It's a new, it's a new moment right now. But what you need to hear this morning is that this is a new invitation to come on. I don't care how yesterday went. I don't care how last night was. I don't care how last week went. I don't care how much time you did or didn't. Because I'd be willing to bet the whole farm that it probably wasn't enough. I know it wasn't in my life. And the beautiful news of the gospel is, hey, it's, it's a new moment, a new day, a new invitation to come on in and, and, and get and be a part of this love relationship. And so what do we have to do? We have to sit in our heart now, choose today and every moment to put all of our affections and desires and devotions and longings and sacrifice, absolutely nothing over him, nothing over him. So how do you know if you're loving him like you need to? That's the second question. How do you know you're loving him like you need to? How, how does the world know if you love him? Because see, I believe that love and obedience is, is two sides of the same coin. They go, they go hand in hand. See, because of my love for Christ, as a result of that, now I'm going to obey and do what he says. See, talk is cheap, and it's easy to say one thing with our mouth and live out something different with our life. Like John 14, 15 says this. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll, you'll keep my word. There's going to be obedience to what he said for us to do and to be about. First John 2, 3 says this. He says, and, and by this we know that we've overcome, that we've come to know him. If we keep his commandments, verse 4, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. What God says about us is that we are liars and we don't love him if we don't obey him. That, that, that we've lied to ourselves, that we've tricked ourselves. And see, the problem today is that most of us want a Savior, but we don't want a Lord. We want to get out of hell free card, but we don't want someone to tell us what to do or expect much out of us, right? Everybody gets a trophy today. So at the end of the service, I'm going to have your trophies out in the lobby. It's going to be great. You're going to get a little blue ribbon to go with it, too. It's going to be awesome. No! 
Well, because that's not life. That's not real, is it? There's failures. There's, there's, there's hang-ups. There's, there's beat-ups. There's struggles. There's, there's all of those things. That's the world we're living in. That's the day that we're living in. And culture in the world has said, hey, you know what? Just, just be good. Just try your best, and you'll make it. Everybody's good. Just believe. And then walk out the door with nothing else. And never come back and never press in and never do the different work, difficult work of journeying relationally with Jesus. And we've bought into that junk. We've bought into that false gospel. We want the Savior, but we don't want the Lord, the one who tells and expects and leads and guides every ounce of our life. And so in 1 John 2, it goes on and says this in verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, obeys it, lives it out. In him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked connected to the Father. He walked in a love relationship with the Father. So ask yourself, for everything, everything I do, the things I love and desire, the things I think about, process, the things I act out and do, does that bring glory and resemble a love and obedience to Jesus? The way you talk. The way you talk. The Bible says what's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth. Does that resemble a love relationship with Jesus? How you act. See, how you act is kind of the easy one, but how you react. Good gosh. You want to find out where you're at in the process? How do you react to certain things? I mean, maybe internally or even outwardly. What about the things you look, about, look at? What about the things you talk about? What about the things uh, you, you give of your time? Does that point to a love relationship with Jesus? Because God says that if we say with our mouth that we love him, know him, but we don't resemble a life of obedience, what our obedience is like, then we don't know him. And my fear is today we know a bunch about him, but we, we don't personally know him in that way where we're willing to do, to do everything we can for him because we love him and value him so much. Not, not, not for what he'll do give me as a result of me doing something for him. Like, like that's, that's wrong motive. That's wrong heart. That, that's pharisaical type action. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that. Pharisaic, however, action. God, I'm going to do this, but in doing this, this is what you got to do for me. God, don't barter. We have nothing to bring to him. Oh, yeah, I do. I've got my life. That's not even yours. If you're lost here today, it's not yours. If you're saved here today, it's definitely not yours. Your life is not yours. Nothing belongs to you. Everything has been gifted to you by God. Everything is his grace and his mercy. How smart you think you are, how, how great you think you are, how hard you thought you've worked, all of that's because of God's sovereignty and providential care. We have something to offer him. That's what's so great news about the gospel is we've got nothing, absolutely nothing to offer him. It's like me trying to help out guys like do like, like, like maintenance type stuff, building type stuff. Like, like I'm the guy at the bottom of the ladder that goes and gets stuff for people. And half the time I have to have them describe what the stuff I'm going to get for them is. That's us with God. We're at the bottom of the ladder doing and getting whatever he's told us to do and get. And we don't even really know how to do that if it wasn't for him. I would say that I'm sorry I'm all amped up. That's what happens when I'm gone two weeks and don't preach. I may go three next time. I'm joking. I'm joking. You couldn't stand me. 
But, but my fear is that we know a bunch about him but don't know him. And that, and that we've, we've, we've missed it. It's, it's not what he'll do for us, but it's, it's all in no matter what. Does our lives resemble that? And I just want to lovingly challenge you here this morning with this, is that if, if you're unsure about that, then give someone the freedom to answer honestly. Ask them and give them the freedom to answer honestly. Husband, ask your spouse. Babe, does it really look like I love Jesus with everything in me? Somebody that knows you better than anybody can answer that real, real quick. I have to think a whole lot. Is the husband or wife? What about your kids? What about those that are closest to you in your circle? Does it appear that my whole life is consumed with that of Jesus? Am I all in so much so? Because hear me, for us as Christians, as a believer, there should never be a question if we love God because our obedience to God's word will be an indicator of a, of a life madly in love with God. We live it out, we act it out, we're, we obey and we do what he says. So as the bank comes back up, I just want to ask you those questions. Are, are, are you all in by the way that you're loving God with every ounce of your being? See, I thought this was going to kind of be like a cute little like couple week sermon series, and then we kind of move on to something else. In the summer, we kind of kick back a little bit and do some standalone type stuff. And for whatever reason, God has just seemed fit to continue to just kind of travel down this road of, man, am I all in? Am I submitted and following and all in with him, loving him supremely? And for whatever reason, I had a great conversation this week that just started turning in my soul. I mean, last week was challenging. I was just beat up. Like if I counted the cost, I don't know about, like I limped out of this place Sunday. I don't know about what you did, but, but I, I limped. Man, I love limping for the Lord because it reminds me that he loves me. And he says, I, I, I've got more for than you can imagine. And I've got some things I need to do in you. And so he just kind of works me over. But the thing that I love about it is, is he works me over. And I limped out. But I'm, I'm limping out because I'm leaning on him and he's helping me get there. I mean, just so through God's word being proclaimed and taught, man, just, just stirred in my heart. And then conversation this week with some good friends. And just stirred all the more. Am I truly loving God with every ounce of my being? Do I model that for my family? Do I model that for, for y'all as family? Do I live that out with the people that know me? Do I, do I show that? And then the second thing is this. Am I all in by the way that I obey and do what he says? Do I spend more time arguing with God or submitting to God? Do I spend more time trying to convince him differently? Or do I spend more time just, just doing what he says? Because I don't, know, but I don't know how your arguments with God goes because it usually looks, looks like this with me. Hey, God, have you ever? You're right. Okay. We'll circle back here in a little bit, and we'll talk again about it. I'll circle back. Hey, God, have you? Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. I mean, I lose every time. I mean, I don't care how good of a debater you think you are. And then what I love about this is that Jesus takes it a step further, as he often does, right? That's him. Because it's easy to love someone who, who loves you and has given it all for you. Like that, that's the easy part. And so then he goes on and he says this in Matthew twenty two thirty nine. He says this. I'm going to have it on the screen for you right here. Look at what he says. He says, and the second is like it. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? What am I to be about? What, what, how, do you, how are you going to sum this up? How can we catch him? Guys, watch this. We're going to get him this time. And he actually engages him and has conversations. He says, well, you love God with everything in you. He says, the second is like the first. You love your neighbor. You love your neighbor. It, 
It would have been great if, if he would have just stopped it. Okay, kind of the easy, but I can kind of halfway love my neighbor, right? I can get down with it a little bit. But then what does he do? He takes it to that next level, as he often does, as yourself. So you love God with everything in you, and then you love your neighbor how? The way you love yourself. And what I know about us is, man, we love us some us, don't we? We care about us like nobody else cares about us. We go in, all in for us when, when we don't go all in for anything else. We value us more than we any, anybody. Like, like the greatest opinion that we ever get is always ours, is it not? Like, like that conversation, am I the only crazy one? Like talks to myself in my head and sometimes it gets out loud. I mean, I, I mean, always consult me first, right? Because it's all about me. It's all about the way I feel. How's it going to affect me? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your neighbor. Are you all in with them? And I know we can kind of get cutesy here, like, well, okay, so I live over here, and I've got the four around me, and that's all I got. That's, that's getting pharisaical again. It's not about the four people that live around you. It's about the world you engage. That's your neighbor. I mean, is that question not even asked in Scripture? And Jesus says, no. It's not, it's not where you reside only. It's not your little Bull and Springs address or Inman address or, or Chesney address. It's not that. That's not just your neighbor, church. It's where you go to work tomorrow. It's where you play with your kids. It's where you shop. It's going to Montana. That's, why in the heck would we go? What are we going to get out of going to Montana? Absolutely nothing. But it's not about what we get out of it. It's about what we get to give to it. That's the great news about missions. It's not about me. It's about, it's about the world. It's about, it's about these three men getting to go to this Indian reservation in Montana. And you know what? I heard a story a couple weeks ago about, about people going out there. And one of the greatest impacts that, that, that us white folk can have about going to Montana, the Indian reservation, is that they'll go out and they'll just begin to pick up trash on the reservation. And it just drives these Indians crazy. Like, what the heck are these, these fools doing? What are these crazy white folk doing out here picking up trash on the reservation? But you know what that does? It opens a door for them to be able to have a conversation about Jesus. That's loving your neighbor. When was the last time you picked up somebody else's trash? When was the last time that you walked down your street and you saw somebody else's yard that looks like junk and you mow it for them? When was the last time you were in line at the store and you said, you know what, I'm going to take care of the guy behind me. Come on. When was the last time you loved your neighbor like you love yourself? cared for somebody else other than just us. And that's what we're called to do. You, you want to go all in. You say that you're all in. The questions I'll always ask is this. What, what does your relationship with Jesus look like and what does your relationship with others look like? Because you can tell me how much scripture you know. You can quote as much as you want to. You can tell me all the trips you've been on. You can bring me to your house and show me all the t-shirts that you've got. But that means absolutely nothing if you're not passionately pursuing him with everything in you. And you're not caring for those around you like, like, like you would yourself. It means nothing. Because what Jesus did to that guy that day, whenever that Pharisee asked him that question, what he did was he summed up all of the law. Because what all of the law is about, God and man. How we, how we interact and do our relationship with God and how we interact and do our relationship with others. That's what Jesus is saying. He, he's taken the ten and he's condensed them down to the two. God and others. Do you love God? Do you love others? Are you all in? Because church, today, a rainy Sunday morning is a great day to go all in. I don't know what God stirred in your heart. I don't know what he said to your soul. 
I mean, you be obedient. If you need to know what it means to have a love relationship with him, we'd love to talk to you about that. Jimmy's here, Austin's here. We'd love to talk more about, about that with you. If you want to know how to love your neighbor, if you want to know how to get involved, more, whatever it is, you be obedient in this moment. Father, help us here from heaven. Help us follow after you with everything in us. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you for modeling and showing us relationally what this means and looks like. Help us this morning be obedient to what you call us to. And we pray. Amen. You guys stand and respond as God leads.
much for being here this morning. Pray God has just stirred in your heart all the more and invited you in deeper to walk with Him. Um, and church, hear me, anything that we can do to, to help uh, you walk that out, please do not hesitate to let us know. If you're visiting, thanks for being here. Um, we'll be out in the lobby here in a few minutes. Love to say hey. Um, but uh, I'm just going to ask you if you join me as we pray. And as you do that, another way you can continue to worship is through the giving of tithes and offerings as we've got our gift boxes on the wall. Um, but I'm going to pray for us uh, and just man, pray that God just uses you mightily. We've got a great opportunity to go love our neighbor as we walk out of this place. Father, help us hear from you, follow after you, live out this truth. As difficult as it may be, we know that we have a helper that encourages, that convicts, that draws. Help us submit fully to your guiding, your word. God, give us a greater passion, love, and desire. And we pray. Amen.